Hello, Frighters. I'm Holland Elise, and this is Fight or Fright. Welcome to Fight or Fright. Welcome, 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 welcome to Fight or Fright. Hello, lovely Frighters, and welcome to another episode of Fight or Fright with your girl, Holland. That's me. I hope you enjoyed last week's episode with Pete Nunweiler because I had so much fun recording with him and learning about all things paranormal, talking paranormal investigations and weird, creepy, spooky, spookoween shit with him. It was just so much fun. And he was a super cool dude. So I'm really, I really enjoyed recording that episode. And I hope you guys enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed recording it. And before I get into this week's episode, I wanted to speak to y'all about a little, like, product that I just found. It is called Flare, and they're not paying me for this. I know this technically is an ad and sounds like an ad, but it's they're not paying me for this. It's just, uh, I am online dating. I know I've spoken to y'all about it. And this bracelet has a button on the back of it. And with that button... You can, like, if you press and hold it down for three seconds, you'll get, like, an automatic call with different prompts for you to answer to. So it can, like, seem like you're really talking to someone and answering their questions. It's super cool. And you can also get a text message sent to five different contacts and they're just, it'll send your location or basically like an SOS letting them know that you're in trouble or you need help or something like that. And with online dating, it's definitely just made me feel safer. On top of that, they're about to launch a 911 enabled button on the app where you can also alert the police and let 911 know if you're in trouble, which is super cool if you're ever in a pickle or a bind. And like I said, I know this it sounds like an ad, but they're not paying me for this. This is legitimately something that I just bought and I love and the bracelets are super cute. And if you use FI-UY59PF, then that's my own personal share code. It wasn't given to me by the person that owns the company. That is literally on my app, the share code to give people $20 off. So if you want to use it and you look into it, feel free to use that code because I think this product is super fucking cool and the bracelets are super fucking cute so that's all on that and now I'm gonna get off my little soapbox and get into this week's episode so last week keeping with the spook spook Ed and Lorraine paranormal shit the spookoween season I told you how this month I'm gonna do different Ed and Lorraine cases and so this week I am going to go more in depth into one of the cases that I just very, very briefly spoke to you about last week when I was talking with Pete. This week, y'all, I got the real Annabelle story. And most of this comes from All Things Interesting, so thanks, All Things Interesting, for being so fucking interesting. Annabelle is one of the reasons I find Annabelle and the real story and Annabelle in the Conjuring movies, because This girl's never seen the Annabelle movies. I just never really had any interest, but I have seen the Conjuring movies. And so 
The reason I chose to go into the real Annabelle case is because I feel in horror movies and like thrillers and just honestly in real life even, children and dolls are the fucking creepiest. Literally, children in horror movies and dolls in horror movies scare me more than almost anything else. If any of y'all are watching A Haunting of Bly Manor, like, well, I finished it in like a day, but if anyone else is watching it, Flora and the little dolls that she makes, all that shit is so fucking creepy. (laughs) But going back to possession and spooky stuff surrounding Annabelle, all of the possession and spooky, spooky shit happened and started in 1970. In 1970, a young nurse named Donna or Deirdre, I've seen both, I'm just gonna go with Donna, but she got a Raggedy Ann doll as a gift from her mom. And if you've seen the Conjuring movies, the real Annabelle doll is very, very different than the doll that they show as Annabelle in those movies. That doll is like a porcelain doll and This is just a creepy fucking Raggedy Ann doll. But (laughs) once they got the doll, soon after, weird shit started happening, just like it does in every fucking scary movie. Weird shit started happening. The doll would be placed on the couch, but then Donna would leave and she would come back. And when her or her roommate Angie came back, the doll would be in a room with the door closed and there's no logical fucking way that this doll could have moved from the couch to the door. It like, there was no one else in the house. It was their place. It wasn't like another roommate was playing a trick. It was only the two of them. And so obviously this was weird and unsettling, but as with most things, it just got weirder with time. So Angie and Donna would get creeped out because the haunting would get worse and worse and worse. They started finding notes around the apartment, and the notes would read, help me. And not only did neither of these girls write the notes, but the notes were written on papers that these girls didn't even keep in their apartment. There's no way that that paper could have been there because neither of them owned paper like that. So, like, what the fuck? And... That's so creepy. If I found random fucking notes, you know that's when I'ma be like, bye, adios, I'm out of here, was a good run, I'm done. I would pay the like, however much, whatever fee it is to get out of that place before my lease is up because I would not stay somewhere where random notes were showing up. That's just so messed up. But the final straw was Angie had a boyfriend. And there's two different stories, but in both stories, he was attacked. So one of the stories is that he was, Angie's boyfriend, Lou, was woken up from a nap because he was being violently attacked and he was home alone. So that's fucking weird. How is he being attacked by something when he is home alone? And it was Annabelle. But there's the other story is that he was home alone at their apartment hanging out while they were at work and he heard a rustling or movement in the place and he thought someone was trying to break in. So like most people would do, even though I wouldn't recommend it, he went to investigate what was going on, but he didn't see anyone there. 
all he saw was Annabelle. And it seems in my reading that no matter which story it is, Lou, the boyfriend, he ended up after whatever situation happened, he had a searing pain and he found a bloody claw mark on his chest that after a few days just kind of vanished, which are no marks and bruises and cuts and all that stuff. They end up going away after a couple days, but it was like three claw marks on his chest that just appeared, which is pretty weird. But that was kind of the final straw for them. This experience made the girls super creeped out and they ended up calling a medium. They felt desperate. They were told by this medium that a seven-year-old girl inhabited the doll. She died on the land that the apartment was on years before. And the nurses, being nicer than me because I would have been like, get the fuck out of my place, they felt bad. They invited the girl to stay inside the doll. It was, I mean, to them, it was a little girl. They were nurses and they felt bad because their whole life is about helping people. And the medium told them that the girl just wanted to be cared for and loved. And being nurses, they felt that they could do that. So they decided to let the girl stay within the doll, which is a bad fucking choice. But not every decision's a winner. I speak from experience. So again, Annabelle became too much, even once they talked to the medium. They wanted to get this spirit out of their place. They were scared. They were walking on eggshells in their own apartment, and they were just terrified all the time. So they called a priest named Father Hagen, and Father Hagen called in the big guns, also known as his superior, who was Father Cook. And Father Cook is who it's said called on the famous or infamous Ed and Lorraine Warrens, what we're all here for today. And the Warrens were like, and I'm paraphrasing here, dude, this fucking thing doesn't need your sympathy. (laughs) And they basically told the girls that their problems probably started when they started showing sympathy and feeling bad for whatever was in the stall. And they definitely believed that it was not a little girl's spirit in that doll, but it was a demonic presence. One of the quotes that they said is, spirits do not possess inanimate objects like houses or toys. They possess people. And so when they said this, what they're basically trying to say is that this thing that's occupying Annabelle, Annabelle was only like a conduit. It was only meant to be inhabited for a little bit. The end goal was for whatever spirit was in Annabelle to take over the body of one of the girls. That was the end goal. That's whatever, that's what this presence wanted to do. It didn't want to stay in Annabelle. It wanted to make its way into one of the girls and possess them. Maybe Lou, if he was around, I don't know. All I know is what they were trying to say with that quote is it wasn't going to stay in a toy forever. It was going to try and take over one of the girls. And Ed and Lorraine believed that this was a possession for three reasons. One of the reasons was teleportation. Annabelle, she was moving around the apartment. She wasn't staying in one place. She would be found in different locations from where they left her. So teleportation. Number two, 
materialization. The paper, the notes, the things saying help me, that was materializing. So whatever was in Annabelle was able to materialize the paper, the notes, and all of that stuff. And then number three, and fucking creepiest of all, Mark of the Beast. The Mark of the Beast, that can be lose claw marks that were on his chest after either investigating noises that he heard or after being attacked when he was napping. And the Warrens were like, what time is it? Exorcism time. And they called on Father Cook to perform the exorcism. And after the exorcism, or before, I I kind of understood, but didn't quite understand the timeline in the article, but it seems like either the exorcism was performed while the doll was still in the apartment, or they wanted to perform the exorcism in the apartment to get rid of any bad juju that was in there once they got rid of the doll. Either way, the Warrens took the doll out of the apartment, and they were bringing it to the occult museum in Monroe, Connecticut that they have. This was in hopes of stopping this demonic, paranormal, creepy-ass fucking doll that's Raggedy Ann, Annabelle. And weird things still kept happening. And when I say weird things kept happening, I mean like minutes after they put Annabelle in the car, weird things started happening. The Warrens had had a new car, and when they put Annabelle in the back seat and buckled her in to the, to the back seat... The Warren's car started experiencing trouble with the brakes. And I mean, this is not just like normal trouble. This 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 trouble with the brakes put them in danger of getting into a near fatal accident multiple times. And Ed ended up having to use holy water and the brakes began working after three times of attempting to use holy water on Annabelle. So that's fucking weird that it's a new car brakes were not working. It was like it was like a lemon or something. I don't know. But weird shit was happening. And once they got back to their home, Annabelle basically had free range around their house again. They would put Annabelle in Ed's study and she would be in a different room. And just like with those nurses, it got to the point where the Warrens decided that this thing needed to be locked up for good. And it's weird because I'm not like this bitch, but I am not trying to like tempt fate. What if it's like Bloody Mary where you say it a certain amount of times or you talk ill of it and it comes after you? (laughs) I mean, I am not taking my chances on this shit. But Annabelle right now to this day is in a case in the occult museum and the case has wood on it and in the wood the lord's prayer is inscribed and there is a warning on the glass for people not to open the door and ed for the rest of his life would periodically do binding spells which when it says binding spells to me that sounds really fucking witchy and creepy and weird not not creepy and weird, but it sounds very witchy when it comes to the word spells. But my assumption is because they were like strict Catholics, that it was some type of binding prayer, not spell. But anyway, the moral of that story is that 
They were trying to keep Annabelle trapped and whatever spirit or presence was in there trapped inside her. And since they started doing those spells, Annabelle has stayed put. But it is said that the spirit that is in Annabelle still sometimes finds its way out into, quote unquote, the earthly plane, as they say. There are some weird stories of like, there was once this priest that was talking to Ed Warren and was at the occult museum. And he basically just discounted Annabelle and kind of was like joking about Annabelle and how exaggerated the power that she had was and that the doll wasn't as bad as people were saying and it was all kind of for effect and essentially he was laughing laughing it off and making fun of Annabelle and Annabelle was not fucking having that shit and when he left he was involved in a near fatal car accident the priest said that right before the accident occurred in his rearview mirror he could see Annabelle in his car And then there was another guest to the occult museum that laughed about how silly everyone was to believe in the power of Annabelle and the powers that Annabelle possess and just in all believing that Annabelle was paranormal. And again, he and his girlfriend left the occult museum and they were in a motorcycle accident. The girlfriend was seriously and severely injured, but the guy, the person that was making the jokes, he was killed instantly in this accident. And the girlfriend says that right before the accident, they were talking about Annabelle and what they had just seen and basically laughing it off. So don't fuck with Annabelle. I feel like I've even heard stories where there's like a... You know, like those really cute puppy 24-hour videos that you can just go on YouTube and look at? I feel like I've heard that there's one that is positioned to the Annabelle, the case that she is placed in. And especially around Halloween time, you at your own leisure discretion, and I would advise against it, but you can watch like a 24-hour feed of Annabelle. I don't remember if that's true, but I'm pretty sure that I saw that somewhere. So just based off these last two stories, I would say if you're going to do that, don't make fun of Annabelle when you're doing it. I mean, I'm just throwing that out there. But I will say these incidents can only be verified and have only been told by Ed and Lorraine Warren. The priest, the nurses, the injured girlfriend, no one has come out and confirmed or said that they were part of this story. So we only have Ed and Lorraine's word, which depending on who you talk to, it either means a lot or it means nothing. So for me, I personally like to think of the spooky shit. So I want to believe in the spookoween spirit of this story. I I don't know though, but it, none of them have completely been confirmed. It's all based off of Ed and Lorraine's word. So take that for what you will. And I just want to say one of the re- other reasons that I did this story because I didn't want to bring this up in the beginning because I want to tell this spooky, creepy pasta like story that made me want to do this. But Ed and Lorraine Warren, obviously, they're awesome. I love the Conjuring movies. They are totally perfect for this spooktacular season. 
but, and I can't remember if it's Girl Scout camp that I heard this story or if it was like a Girl Scout camping trip that I went on with my Girl Scout troop. But either way, I remember it was kind of like one of those fireside things. And this story is fucked up and creeped me out and made me terrified of dolls. And it's very creepypasta, but creepypasta still creep me out too. So I don't know. The story I heard was goes as such. And bear with me, I don't remember it perfectly. I think my mind tried to tried to block this from my memory so that I didn't remember this weird ass story, but I'm going to tell you what I remember to the best of my knowledge. So, there was a little girl who was at a store with her mom. Her mom told her that she was able to get one doll from the store and to take a look at the shelf and pick out the one that she wanted. It didn't matter how much she just needed to pick a doll. And the little girl saw a doll on the shelf that was missing one finger, but this doll kind of called to her. And so she told her mom, I want this one. Her mom noticed the missing finger and was like, are you sure? Like, you don't want this one. It has all its fingers. Like, this one's super pretty. Don't you want this one? And as little kids do, this girl threw a temper tantrum and insisted that this was the doll that she wanted and this was the doll that her mom needed to buy her. So they go to the cash register to buy the doll. The cashier asked if they were sure and told the told the mom and daughter, I can show you like all these different dolls, ones that aren't missing fingers. Like, are you sure this is the one that you want? And the family insisted. And so the cashier rung up the doll and the family the the mother and daughter were on their way. And that night, the family was spending some time together watching TV or doing that kind of thing, just kind of having an evening in. And it became the little girl's bedtime because obviously it's getting late. You put the kid to bed, then you watch whatever you want to watch. <laughs> so the little girl ended up leaving the doll downstairs. But the next morning, the doll was in a different place than where the little girl had left it. Weird things started happening around the house that didn't really have an explanation, but the whole family was just kind of like knocking, like kind of just trying to make excuses for what was happening. But the little girl had started to become a tiny bit afraid of the doll, but she started keeping the doll downstairs. And then one night, not too long after the girl got the doll, the little girl started hearing a noise and a voice in the night. This voice was saying, I'm on the first step, I'm on the second step, I'm on the third step. And when the little girl heard this, she started freaking out and covering herself with her blanket and trying to convince herself it wasn't real. That's not what she was hearing. It was something else and trying to go back to sleep. And she didn't hear anything for a little bit and was almost able to go back to sleep and convince herself that she did not hear that. But then, right as she's about to fall asleep, she hears, I'm on the fourth step, I'm on the fifth step, I'm on the sixth step. And again, the little girl began to panic. She tried calming herself, but she was so scared she couldn't even really scream. She just, she couldn't get the voice out. She was just trying to cover herself with her covers, not look at what's going on, and just 
convince herself that she was dreaming or that it wasn't really happening. Then finally she heard, I'm on the seventh step, I'm on the hallway, I'm in the bedroom, I'm on your bed. And the little girl stayed under those blankets and I don't fucking know how, but she eventually fell back to sleep. In the morning, the little girl screamed bloody murder at the top of her lungs, causing her mom to wake up. The mom ran into the room to the little girl crying. And the mom was trying to console the girl and was like, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? What's what's happening? What's going on? And the little girl showed her mom her hands and she was missing a finger. She didn't she didn't have a finger, but the doll that was left downstairs and the mom knew that the doll was left downstairs. The doll was no longer missing a finger and had every finger on her hand, but the little girl was missing one. So that's the creepy ass fucking story that I heard when I was probably way too fucking young to hear a story like that. But I hope you enjoyed that creepy story. But that's kind of what inspired me to want to do Annabelle, because like that story, even though I can't remember like everything about it. And please tell me if you've heard that story, because no one else seems to know the story, but I swear that I heard it when I was in like Girl Scout camp or camping with my Girl Scout troop, but it was a creepy story. It reminds me of Annabelle because Annabelle's a creepy ass doll. But <laughs> like I said, forgive me if I don't remember everything about the story. I just like, I think I blocked some of it out, but I think I gave you the gist of what I was doing <laughs> and what I remember. But now what I'm going to do is... The fright is over. <laughs> the fright is over, which like, I, like I've done before, it is just a new news story where a crime from the past has been solved and I'm going to tell you all about it. So it's an ABC affiliate, FWFTV9. There was an article online about a man who was charged with second-degree murder in connection with an old Orange County case. In 1997, there was a woman that was found strangled, and detectives recently identified as Jimmy Lee Mahone in Bibb, Georgia. The case happened in April 16th of 1997. The police were dispatched to what they were told was a possible burglary, and when they arrived, detectives found Donna Bird dead and she had been strangled. So there were fingerprints and blood collected at the scene, but they weren't able to connect or identify who these fingerprints and who this blood belonged to. But recently, during a cold case review, the prints were resubmitted and during this submission, it led to Jimmy Lee Mahone. And he was arrested and is now being charged with second degree murder. So yay, I'm glad they caught that son of a bitch. But that is this week's The Fright is Over. And that is this week's episode. I know it was a little bit shorter, but with these weird paranormal cases, there's only so much information I can find. So sorry about that. I'm hoping that maybe a little later this week or next week, I can do a bonus episode of all y'all's creepy ass stories. 
I haven't gotten too many, but I've gotten some. So if you want to send them over, send them to fightorfrightpod at gmail.com. I'd really appreciate it. I'd love to be able to tell y'all stories. And that is this week's episode. Thank you guys for joining me again. You guys are awesome. I love you. You're great. Thank you, fighters, for listening and listening to another episode of Fight or Fright. You can find me on Instagram at Fight or Fright Pod. You can find me on Facebook at Fight or Fright Pod. You can find me on Twitter at Fight Fright Pod. And you can email me either your stories or just shoot me an email at Fight or Fright Pod at gmail.com. You guys are awesome. Join me next week for another episode. Thank you for listening. Bye, guys. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Fight or Fright. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Fight or Fright Pod and on Gmail at fightorfrightpod at gmail.com. Twitter is the only one that's a little bit different in there, and that's at Fight Fright Pod. And if you enjoyed this episode, I would really appreciate it. And it would really help me if you rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Even just spreading the word to family, friends, people you know that enjoy true crime, mysteries, paranormal, all of that kind of stuff. And this is Holland. And I'll see you next week when I tell you another crazy story. And remember, you don't have to fight this fright.